and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 430. That's right. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? The main course today will be the Snyder Cut. Be curious to see how much material we get out of that, uh, though I suspect we'll Four get... hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that does not deserve an hour of real commentary per hour of movie. But I would suspect we'll probably have more to say about the the concept of the Snyder cut and the repercussions thereof than the actual, what we thought of what we saw on the screen before we get into that though, let's do, uh, we have, we have potentially more interesting news. I mean, we know black widow moved once again. Yep. Seven, nine, correct. I believe so. I, I believe. don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I based seven, nine, it moved again. And tonight's big news was Pierce Brosnan being cast as Dr. Fate. Woohoo. And black That's actually Adam. Really good call. Yeah, that should be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so those were those are relatively hot off the press news items uh, since uh, we last recorded, which wasn't very long in the in real world time. <laughs> but yes, Snyder talk, Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut. At least that hashtag is retired, uh, giving birth to a new one as we'll talk. Yeah, about well, later let's on. let's let yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, yes, well, we'll. We will we will get into that. I have a nice segue before we get in, into that. So I want to you can you can be the one that announces what what the new hashtag is. But but I have a nice segue to lead to lead into it. Something I want to say regarding that. But what, so how would you like to begin? And don't pass it back to me this this time. You can pick. Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to pass it back to you since film is usually your thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh I guess, I guess, okay. I guess let's. What an interesting place to start off would be, is uh, without going into specifics because we'll do that in a minute, uh, and I'll leave you for that segue. But um, how would you compare now that we've seen both? How would you compare this to the original cut to the Joss Whedon? Yes, and I, I and I will give the easy answer, but but the question not by you, but. Too many people have made this like all oh, the referendum question. It's like, oh, is this better than the than the theatrical cut? And of course, it's better than the, the theatrical cut. But that's only but but that's only part of the discussion because we know, regardless of what you think about Joss Whedon, his hands were tied with this movie too. It's not like he if he <laughs> the simple answer is yes. Do I think this was a better, a more coherent version and vision of? a justice league movie or the story that we know that they were going to make is this, let's not say a definitive version, but it's, but it's Zack Snyder's definitive version. Do we think, does that hold water and is is it superior to what we got released? Of course it's superior, 
But to be perfectly honest, I'm sure this version would have been superior to the movie that we would have gotten if Zack Snyder never got fired because he would have had at least an hour and a half of extra time and money to do to, to give us this four hour bloated version of this, which he never would have gotten, which people we you and I know this. Some some people accept this. Some people don't and still live in the world that they think this is the movie they would have gotten if he never got fired. And no, you know, they were living under the. They were living under the two hour time limit edict by Warner Brothers. That's why Whedon's version was two hours. Snyder, I think, has admitted the same thing, that when he was working on it, they wanted two hours because part of the diagnoses of the ills with these two previous Snyder entries into the DCEU was the length of the movies. So they wanted the movies to be smaller. So he never was going to get a forget about a four hour cut. He was never getting a three hour cut. He probably wouldn't even gotten a two and a half hour cut, even if they loved what he was doing. So this, this version would have been better than, than Snyder's own theatrical cut, as far as being more, more cohesive and, and uh, it flowing better. And I, every, it's the in thing to hate Joss Whedon, not just personally, but to say, Oh my God, he ruined this movie. And I'm sure Joss Whedon probably five minutes after he took this job, regretted it regardless of what happened with him and Ray Fisher and all the other crap behind the scenes. I'm sure quickly after taking this project, he regretted it. And if he didn't, the minute the movie came out, he regretted it. And ever since he regretted it because he's now the poster boy for, Oh my God, he's the one who ruined this movie. He was handed, he was given somebody else's script. He got to do, he was allowed a certain number, certain amount of liberties to do rewriting and do certain number of reshoots. He had to use as much of Snyder's footage as possible, which we know that he did because Joss, because uh, Zack Snyder admitted after the fact that even for this cut of the movie, there weren't that many scenes that he completely had to shoot from scratch. There were a lot of unfinished special effects, but there weren't that many new scenes that he that he shot for this. So Whedon was basically since so much of the movie was shot already by Snyder, he had to use that footage as best as he could and was given some liberties. So I would suspect if he was given almost not. We know Zack Snyder wasn't given 100 percent carte blanche on this project, but close to it. If Josh Whedon had been given the same amount of time to work on it, got to do his own script, had, had a four hour running time on this movie, I'm sure his definitive version would have been much better than the theatrical cut, too. And so the, the simple answer is yes, but I don't think it's a simple question. I think it's pe- people when they ask it in general. That's not really a yes or no question because it's a Captain Obvious question. Of course, it's better. If it wasn't better, then then you really would have no idea what you're doing, having all that money and that time to be able to tell a longer story and play the longer game. But I thought it was better. I, I think it was too long, but that's true in most of Zack Snyder's movies. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, I think it was better. I think it was uh, I think maybe I might have phrased the question. Uh, badly i think i meant more do i think do we think it was different do we think it was a different movie and i i think i think by the by the nature of this being a four-hour film uh yes uh it was a bit of a different movie um but at the end of the day this film this film uh it's the it, it, it in its in its overall beats is the same movie in it in in terms of um in terms of plot plot yeah in terms of plot in terms of um storyboarding in a way 
there are obviously additional scenes and things like that. Maybe things sort of rearranged slightly differently, but not like, you know, a scene that was in the beginning of the first cut is also in the beginning of the second cut, but is maybe separated by two or three other scenes. Still, the, the relative to its arrangement, everything seems to be largely the same. So... So in that case, it's the same movie, but at the same time, a different movie, which is which sounds stupid and like I'm smoking pot over here. But like that's I don't I don't I don't know that it's fundamentally a different movie. Um, It's it's something of its own breed. um, And I don't I don't know that we'll ever you know, I'll just move on from that because I I don't think I can quantify what I'm trying to say here. Um, I I enjoyed it. Uh, there are times where I feel like I believe some others uh, felt that pacing was a little strained um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, slow motion shots and things like that, which is a, a chief complaint you will see online about this film, uh, you know, from others is lots of slow motion and things like that. I can see what Snyder was trying is trying to do. But at the same time, I'm not entirely sure that Snyder's able to pull it off. So basically, so here, so here, so here's a good idea. Here's a good example. Bruce going to see Arthur. That scene in the original movie, if I remember right, had Bruce riding the horse uh, up to the cliff. And then the next thing you know, he's walking into the bar and everything. But in this film, there's a long sequence of, of Bruce just, you know, a long sweeping panning shot of this of the landscape and things like that and i thought to myself "Eh, that's a waste of time do we need that but then i also thought you know they did the same shit during lord of the rings and i love those shots uh those shots you know i don't want to say made the movie in any any way shape or form but they they definitely helped um define the world you know in in the lord of the rings films You, you got the real sense that this is this is uh I mean, yeah, those are uh, a lot of that is New Zealand and things like that. But, you know, you got the sense of this is this is a real place. There's real distance being traveled between point A and point B between these scenes and and things like that. So, you know, I couldn't I couldn't outright dismiss it and say there's no point to Snyder doing this because I could see the quote unquote point of it in other films like like Lord of the Rings. But um, I don't know. in in this film, those sorts of sweeping scenery shots seemed um, wasted, seemed a little out of place. I I, uh, I also think like some of the songs, like the the songs that were sung to Aquaman as he went back into the sea and all that sort of stuff, uh, was a bit much and unneeded. I could see basically there were moments in the, in the Snyder cut where I could definitely see, Oh, it makes sense. They cut that. There's a lot of stuff I didn't like, or I could have half seen like the, 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 the cyborg stuff. I, I get why, uh, Warner decided to remove it, but at the same time, I really enjoyed a lot of that cyborg stuff made him seem like a part of the a part of this movie a main character in this movie because realistically if you're going to have a story a movie called justice league each of the characters uh who make up said justice league should feel like a main character in the film and i never really got the impression that uh flash or cyborg 
uh, or Aquaman ever really felt like main characters. It was the Trinity and then B plot uh, for, for everybody else. And the stuff that we got added in with Aquaman and flash and in cyborg, while I could see moments here and there of why they would cut it, I definitely really appreciated the, the level, the, the depth that went into fleshing out these characters and giving them some more, some more breathing room and some more story. Uh, and I thought, I mean, I, I thought cyborgs was the most compelling. It made really made you not just understand who he is, but understand his power. Um, and I, the entire time I was watching it, I was thinking about kind of, I think it was Jeff Johns in an interview before the new 52 got started. Jeff was saying that the reason that cyborg replaced Martian Manhunter on the justice league was because cyborg in a way is Martian Manhunter, but for the modern era because of, you know, how much, how much information and how much of our secrets and how much of the, the stuff that really runs the world is digital now. So I was thinking about that the whole time I was watching uh, cyborg stuff. So um, I don't know. I, a, a lot of it, I really enjoyed, um, but I don't know that I came away from this film going, Holy shit. That's that, that that's, that's the justice league. Uh, I felt a little bit of that, but not, not as lot uh, as much as I would have expected when people, if, if I were, I don't want to say naive, but it's the only word I'm thinking of. If I was a naive enough to go, Oh, once we get Zack Snyder's vision, it'll really click. Well, yeah, because there, yeah, I mean, I mean, most people knew, and that's just, like I said before regarding Whedon, I mean, it wasn't like this was Whedon's, that was Whedon's idea of what a Justice League movie had to be. He was, this was still Snyder's script and, and this footage and he had to make, he had to tweak it and he, and he was allowed to do stuff with it, but it still was essentially Snyder's story. So you knew when Snyder came, when Snyder and WB came back to this project that it was still going to be the essential same idea. Did the, what was it, imp, was it improved in the sense of like, you know, was Steppenwolf a better villain in this version than he was in the last in the theatrical? Yes, he was. Did he seem more impressive? Did he did he have more motivation? Did you understand what he was doing a little bit more? Yes. I think the real di- the real differences were the characterizations and you kind of touched on it. I mean, almost everybody's. I mean, I guess maybe Wonder Woman, you can make a case either way, whether how much more Wonder Woman's character changed in this movie, but almost and Superman too. Superman had a weird arc and he was barely, barely in the movie. Not that he was, he wasn't in the first one that long either, but it just seems it stands out more how little he's in the movie considering how, and I had this written down because I was, I was telling Jim this when I was watching it, how, how long it took before, you know, Superman was even back from the dead. And how long it was before the team was even put together into that first sequence. It was just, it was like endless. It was like, like two and a half hours before they think the team even was put together. But when, when you think about it, you know, Superman was in this so, so little and you, so you, it stands out. You look at the characters that really didn't get a lot of development in the theatrical cut. And of course, Cyborg, let's leave the Ray Fisher personal aspects of this out that he did have a pl- he obviously had had a significant amount to do with the solution and the resolution in, in the first movie but yes you had more of an you delved deeper into the character in in this version flash of i mean clearly flash to me aquaman too but flash to me was clearly the character that came out looking much better as opposed to the stupid goofy way the 
the film was cut to show Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, that at least you got some sense of Barry Allen not being a total F up and just being in that he actually, you know, he, he, he had ability. He understood some of, he understood a little bit more about his powers and, and you got to see some of the things he could do, including, you know, the turning back time and, and regardless of what do you, what you, what people thought about the scene with Iris, you know, that was so, it was at least cool that she was in the movie. Uh, so setting the stage for the, you know, the flash movie, which is filming that it opens the door. It'd be curious to see which version of the flash we get to see in that movie, which may have nothing to do with the Snyder cut. They may have already decided that they were not going to make him as stupid or as goofy as he was in the justice league movie. But it'll be curious if on the surface, if he resembles more of the Snyder cut version or the theatrical or the theatrical version, I thought Aquaman came across as better. The dark side stuff with, I mean, Obviously, as people know, I don't give a crap about Dark Side to begin with, but promoting Dark Side, you know, in footage and trailers and things like that was it's it's essentially a red herring because for for the amount of time he's in this movie, I mean he's he's in the movie more than Thanos is in the original Avengers movie, but not by a whole hell of a lot. Most of his real stuff is in a, in the flashback scene, which kind of doesn't make him look as strong either, even though there are reasons for this. But so it it's essentially the same movie. Almost everything they did plays better in the Snyder in, in the Snyder cut than the theatrical. But again, there's the asterisk because you it should play better. You have more than twice the running time on the movie, and you had you had extra money to do special effects. Even though not all the special effects looked good, I thought a lot of the I I did one sequence I really didn't like necessarily better was the Diana sequence. I didn't think I did not necessarily like the new version better than the old. And I thought that special effects in that sequence looked kind of cheesy. And there were other, there were other sequences where the special effects I thought looked, looked cheesy, but overall you would expect this movie should be superior because you have the time, the effort and Warner brothers had an agenda for why they made this. It's even they're going to blow up in their face, but they had an agenda while, while they wanted to do this. And it's nice connective tissue for what might have been, which also was another potential issue with, you know, Snyder, you know, maybe doing things, doing things in this movie that he probably would have wanted to do if he was still running the show. But you do have to question whether maybe he should have been allowed to do some of these things just because they open so many doors that if you really were not planning on going down, it just makes it worse. It makes the studio look worse, like the stuff with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke and different things like that. But I, en- I did enjoy it. I will probably watch it again. It is long. It didn't need to be as long as it did. Uh, there were some cool, mo- you know, there were most of most of it played well, but it just it it just again, you could like you said, you could very easily see stuff that let's say he put together this four hour the initial cut of this movie if he actually got a chance to finish it that he actually had done a four hour cut of this movie doesn't take much watching even the first hour of this movie to realize wow this is what I'd cut this out. I would cut that out. You'd see a lot of stuff that you could tighten up in this relatively easily just to get it down to a three hour cut, which would not have changed the plot or the core of the movie all that much. Those are my initial thoughts on and regarding the the question of whether it's different. Yes, there are aspects of it that are different, but the fundamental conflict and the way they go about assembling the team and every, and, and it, it really isn't that different. Yeah, I was just Googling, trying to find like somewhere online that will give me like a synopsis, like breakdown or whatever, but I'm not finding anything. So that'll help guide us 
through uh through kind of the scenes of this so where where do we want to go from here want to go by character or uh, i was going to say go by part but then you know like i said i can't find a synopsis that tells me specifically what's rather reminds me of what's in each part and that's kind of the problem with the movie being so long too it's like the fact you have to because there's four hours and what there's six there's like six chapters but there's also like prologues and epilogues and what the super the superman stuff was weird to me I mean, it was very. I mean, the way the way he was brought back was, was was a little different, and even the way you know when he woke up and he was you know they left out the pet cemetery humor this time, but 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 because we saw the theatrical cut, we're thinking it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it isn't quite as blatant, even though he actually is doing. He actually is you know coming a lot closer to probably killing Batman because of the heat vision uh, before Lois Lane steps in. But I don't know. I don't. They don't. We we don't really get an explanation for why he's wearing the black costume. It's just like this. It's like the Kryptonian ship just has like 8000 different dressing, different closets with different Kryptonian uniforms. <laughs> I mean, the black costume looked cool, even though we know it's not technically accurate because there's no cape on on the black costume. It's and it doesn't really serve a purpose as far as we know for like helping him regenerate or recharge or absorbing the light of the sun any quicker, which you would think a black costume would. So it would make sense if that had was part of the the explanation but we never got that i'm not quite maybe the whole point is that you had to build you know the it's like you had to build a team independent of superman to to learn how to work together and not maybe be just dependent on him even though they at the same time they clearly are acknowledging well we need superman you know we need superman to pull this off and that's the reason one of the reasons why they're attacking is because there's you know there's there's no green lanterns and there's no there's no kryptonian and even though we do get a much better Green Lantern scene in the flashback history lesson scene than we did in the actual theatrical. Is it? You, you see more of him. I mean, I guess I guess it's better that he, Gallen Gurr, dies going up against Darkseid than Stefan. Yes. Uh, yes. The, he still dies super easily. Um, but did, did Steppenwolf try to grab the ring? Or did it just yeah. fly? Did he in the yeah. first one? I don't remember that. Yeah, he tried to grab it. And people online are talking about how interesting it is that um, that the ring hovered in front of Darkseid for a second before it took off. Yeah, I guess you could read into that, or it's just like recalculate. It's like it's like the GPS recalculating, recalculating. It's like I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that's any better though. It's like this, the 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 most powerful weapon in the universe needs to buffer for a second before it can go find a replacement. <laughs> that's true too, especially because you were because again you would like to think that considering all all the all the jabronis that are on that battlefield, there probably would be somebody worthy of wielding the ring. Before. I know, right? Like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna head out in the space i mean i mean even even though they're literal gods right <laughs> the yeah. olympi the 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 olympians you would th- you would think they they are residents of 2814 yeah. like why not uh maybe maybe we were still viewed as too too archaic and too uncivilized back then but. yeah and that's and that's another thing i was thinking is is in isn't yalan gur the one that the guardians decided to no, he. Uh, what am I saying? I'm I'm doubting my own knowledge. That's that's not the case. So, Yalinger is the reason the ring, the Allen's ring, is weak to wood. Yes, because of the changing of the, what the impurities at different times for him, and he ended up having the wood impurity. And <laughs> yeah, so that that makes sense. That's that's that, that that's cool. Um, but it's just I don't know, man. Uh. I, I, Hovering in front of Darkseid, if if the if you're going with the concept of like 
you know, it finds someone who's the most willful or something. I, I guess that makes sense. Uh, Dark side sure as hell has a lot of will. Um, but is there more to it? You know, uh, it's a different universe. So who knows? Maybe, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can read into it. Another thing I thought was interesting. So, so there, there are two lantern references, guys. There's that one uh, where Yalen dies, and he dies so easily. He's only using the ring as basically a laser, a laser cannon, just energy blasts, uh, which he did in the first one. Uh, and that's another part where you can read into it because in in certain in certain interpretations in the comics, lanterns use the ring differently, and uh, only. In in certain comics or other things, the uh, not every lantern uses constructs. Now, of course, we have you know we have things to um, really drive that home, like uh, you know the F sharp bell with uh, Rylop fan and things like that. But we there has also been things in the comics where like because of the creativity and the imagination of the of humanity constructs have been more unique to their sort of species. So only when other lanterns have seen what like human based lanterns do with their ring, did they pick up on the idea of making shapes as opposed to just blasts and shields and things like that. But again, that's reading a lot into it that we didn't get told about in this film. So we can leave that alone too. Um, And then we get of course the future idea and we see Kilowog dead. So, Oh, Kilowog. We barely knew ye. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 whole the whole vision dream sequences thing is are weird in this movie. I mean, I know we got we got that in what BVS to start with, starting us down that road. But the, but especially choosing to basically end the movie like that 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 was that was a really odd creative, choice. isn't it? Uh, it's it's yeah. It's, well, it's technically it's technically the injustice universe in a way, right? Because Lois has died I think, and Superman yeah, I, has gone evil. Right, which of course we got first got that glimpse in BVS and and that's what the Barry Allen I guess warning about you know Lois Lois Lane is the key and everything, yeah. everything else. But yeah, that, that that again some some of the things structurally that Zack Snyder did. Now again, I'm not saying we don't only Zack Snyder knows if when he first created this in his head or the idea for this movie, this the script, all these things. We're in, in it to begin with, and we're in the position that they ended up being in, in this cut. You know, in his most grandiose version, you know, vision of this movie, which you'd like to think this was, because you certainly would not, not like to think that he had an even bigger version, but it's Zack Snyder, so it's possible. Some of those choices seem very, very odd when you know going into this that you're supposed to be doing a one-off. I understand that some things work fine. Like I said, if, if, the, if the Barry Allen stuff picks up more on the Snyder Cuts version of Barry Allen... I don't think anybody will complain. It does do nice connective tissue leading into the Aquaman movie that we got already that it makes, it makes the events seem to flow a little better. No pun intended. So some of that stuff I get, but ending, ending a movie in that kind of weird utopian future cliffhanger kind of like way is a really odd choice. It'd be an odd choice, even if you knew you were going to be doing other movies or thought you were going to be doing other other movies. It's an exceptionally odd choice when you know going in this is supposed to be a one off because having an ending like that just opens the doors, which we will be talking about for creating more potential problems for for WB. So it's it's odd. And again, I'm it makes your 
obviously we know Zack Snyder got tons of creative control over this. We know we didn't get everything since he wanted that Martian Manhunter cameo at the end to be Jon Stewart. So WB was not going to let him do everything that he wanted to affect future plans since uh, you can take it to the bank because of what they're going to do with the te- with the Green Lantern Corps show and then the re- eventual reboot into the movies that they don't they didn't want to basically tie their hands to have anything into the, from the Snyder cut and be indebted to it or tied to it and have no, another albatross. And even if people perceived it well, but still have something that weighing them down. So I, that the, the, the creative control he had was, in, was impressive. And again, probably this is one of those things where at the end of the day, and we'll talk about this probably soon enough, whether, whether at the end of the day, whether WB really thinks this was a smart move to do this or, or not. <laughs> You know, I'm just trying to think of the things that I I, I probably liked the most in this. I, I liked um I like that we got rid of that clunky scene in Gotham at the beginning. What the parademon scene? Yeah. Yeah. I like I like that Bruce kind of he knows something's coming in a way and he's trying to put the team together for a more natural reason in terms of um you know the promise he made to to Clark over his grave at his funeral and, and things like that. So I, I like that the knowledge of of uh, the mother boxes and things kind of comes slowly more more naturally to him in this film. Uh, I like I like the Atlantean stuff. I liked the Amazonian stuff. The Amazonian stuff because I, uh, I I had a plan to watch this with Gary, my brother-in-law. Uh, and but he had to go to Corpus Christi the next the next day, so he fell asleep like a third or a fourth of the way through. But he did get to see the Amazon scene, and we both commented how we liked that much better because you know they're supposed to be this ancient warrior race. They're the you know strongest women on the planet, and they've survived thousands of years, and they're isolated on this island. But they're supposed to be some of the best combatants ever. So in the first cut. When Hippolyta, you know, has them, you know, close the gates and things like that and runs out with a mother box. Two seconds later, Steppenwolf cuts an X in the side of the wall and just busts out. So it makes the sacrifice of those Amazons who are locking themselves in with Steppenwolf and the other parademons seem utterly pointless because like if, if you're thinking about it from Steppenwolf's perspective in that in that cut, he's fighting a bunch of Amazons. Out of this corner of his eye, he sees Hippolyta run down the hallway. Bunch of gates close. Oh, turns to his left, cuts an hex in the wall and busts out. Like, whatever. But the fact that it they close the gates and the entire thing goes crashing into the ocean and there's silence for a moment and Hippolyta gets off the, uh, walks to the edge after handing off the mother box and is mourning the the loss of the Amazonians who were in there. That means a whole lot more than what we got. That makes the Amazonians seem like the badasses they should be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would, I, I would agree. I, th- I, th- I do think that scene play, plays better. Now, I wasn't, I don't have a huge attachment to Paradise Island, you know, emotionally. So I, neither one of those scenes, the original nor the expanded, revised, means all that much to me. But it is it does seem more worthy of their power set and for them not only to do better, but also because we know Steppenwolf is, 
we know Steppenwolf is just a stepping stone to Darkseid to make it clear that, hey, they might not be they might not be able to do this with Darkseid, but they have a much better chance of doing damage and being able to play keep away and everything else and be successful, even if it's based on strategy with Steppenwolf than with Darkseid. Yeah. Uh, the Amazons, uh, for sure. The Atlanteans, we didn't get as much. Uh, I mean, the the stuff with the Atlanteans was more spliced up. We got more of it, but it was more spliced up, whereas the stuff with the Amazons was more of a continuous scene. Right. Um, I think the stuff with the Amazons, or sorry, the Atlanteans, plays a little differently in it. And uh, it, it plays a little differently in the original cut, too, after watching... Um, after watching Aquaman, especially in the way in which they communicate, because like in the in, in Justice League, it's like, oh, we have to open a bubble underwater every time we want to talk. <laughs> like, that's interesting. But so uh, I, I did like uh, I, I did like it, like Volko was in this. That was cool. The stuff with Mara was a little better. Um, I just I just like that they kind of built a connection. And of course, it's always great to see, you know, Arthur, the king of Atlantis, who always talks about how he's, you know, he's responsible for whatever percentage of the planet, uh, not throwing a glass bottle into the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I, I always laugh when people bring that point up, but it's it's really true. Like. If any of them, like seriously, the, you, you chose to have the king of the ocean drink a whiskey bottle and throw the bottle into the ocean with the glass shards? Really? That's That was your decision? Um, that, no. I mean, if anything, uh, Arthur, you know, as much as you talk about things being like true to the comics, true to the comics, Arthur's an environmentalist. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> uh, but anyways, um no, I uh, like I said, I talked a lot about the cyborg stuff. I really enjoyed the cyborg stuff. Um, the flash stuff in particular was was not only really well done, it was just um, it was visually cool. You know, I think you know it always makes me wonder. And and I was thinking this actually because I've been catching up on my CW shows. I just finally caught up on Superman and Lois, which I think might be my favorite live action interpretation of Superman since Reeves. Honestly, since Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeves, sorry. Um, well, yeah, it could, yes, but based on the way you said it, it could have been interpreted as Reeves comma. Oh, like yeah, Reeves yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. So that's yeah. Um, but but yeah, yeah. I, it, it's in the in the costume so much. Oh, I'm not going to go into that tangent, but like I was thinking. So now now that I'm done catching up with Superman and Lois until tomorrow with, with the next episode, I think the uh, I've been catching up on the Flash and like two or three episodes in. And now, now I suddenly find the thought coming to me like, does do do other people see lightning crashing all around them, <laughs> uh, or 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 see flashes in front of their eyes whenever Flash is around? The, are, are other people seeing all this? Because in in the Flash TV show, it's like witch fire. It's 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 brief. It doesn't. It's not like it. It's not like it impacts anything or destroys anything, but in the Snyder, in 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 both the regular, the original cut and this cut, Snyder's Flash, it's like sparking off the walls and hitting various things, and it's like, are, are other people seeing this? Probably. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's cool looking. Uh, I was basically gonna say, the, uh, I was almost more impressed with the visual effects of Flash's power. Than I was the 
the story uh, the story is, is is fantastic obviously but like the visuals of what he's what he sees in flash time because it's it's not right to call it the speed force the speed force is something else if anything you'd say the speed force is what he's sort of entering when he's turning back time uh and people who watch the flash show, show know you know flash time when everything slows down when he's running is not the same thing as the speed force as in the state of energy the the, the other dimension however you define it not not one and the same but that scene when he goes to rescue iris the him exploding out of his shoes that's really cool looking the um the way he kind of uses his finger to push through the glass that's really cool and i had to explain this to my brother-in-law uh when i when gary and i were watching it the way he's so gentle with iris like you could interpret it like you know he's taking his time with his woman or whatever you know, that he's so smitten with, but that's not it because in multiple comics and, and other media flash talks often about how, when he's rescuing somebody or disarming somebody or something, he has to be very careful because if he tugs on the per on a person the wrong way, he can shatter their bones or rip things off their body, things like that. Cause like I I'm, th- I'm thinking specifically of those justice league novels. I love so much. Um, there's one called flash dot motion and all of these were adapted into graphic audio, but there's one where he breaks into a prison and all of these people have guns and he has to talk about how he's carefully pulling in flash time. He's carefully pulling the finger out of the trigger, uh, before disarming each person and, and destroying all the weapons, because if he goes any faster, he's going to rip their arms out of their sockets. Um, so I like the attention to detail with all this, the visual effects of the flash. And it makes me, it makes me that much more excited for a flash movie, whether it's flashpoint or something else entirely, doesn't really matter to me because I think we've seen the CW go really far with special effects and really kind of, um, I, I mean, I know it's I know it's CW budget, but at the same time, they've gotten very creative with it and making the flash effects look so cool in the same way that the the Superman movie with Christopher Reeves had such a we had, we had such a, a big budget, but they they still pioneered and invented new ways to make somebody fly cinematically that have been used ever since and slowly improved upon. I think the CW has broken that ground a little bit. And we've all been impressed with some of the effects that they do on that show. And it's really interesting to see it play out in this film because I, I don't remember thinking that when I saw the original cut, but we saw so much more of his power in action and what a big cinematic budget and what they can build upon based on the ground that the flash TV show has already broken. I, I it's, it, it just looked really cool. I think so. I th- I mean, to me, the the character that comes out the biggest winner. I mean, it could be it could be Cyborg. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's Cyborg at the end of the day. It may be only because well, it could be also because of the X factor that a lot of people want to like Cyborg because of the Ray Fisher stuff. I'm not saying you, but there are some people out there that are going to more gravitate towards wanting to. You're gravitating towards the character no matter what, even if it's subconsciously because, oh, they think he was treated poorly <laughs> by Whedon. I think his characters, they actually they did a good job. They did a good job fleshing, like I said, fleshing out the character, but it's not like his character was was portrayed horribly in the first movie. I think the Flash, I think Ezra Miller's Flash was the one that came out the worst 
in the first movie. So because of such a dramatic shift in the way the character is portrayed and the vibe, even, you know, even things you still may not like, you know, like the, like the gate, like his exaggerated gate when he runs and things like that, that didn't really change, but you get, you just got a better sense of the character and you can almost see, well, yeah, I could see, even though he's still kind of goofy that he's, you could kind of see some Barry Allen in him. It was really hard to see any Barry Allen as we knew or we know uh, in the Ezra Miller original theatrical cut. So to me, especially knowing that there's a Flash movie coming, that I think for me as the Flash was the big winner, was the big winner in this movie. I also think it helps, it, and not maybe not surprisingly, because we know we're going to be seeing Ben Affleck again in the Flash movie. Probably not that much, probably in the beginning and the end. But uh, the reality is it and I and it's easy for me to say this because I liked Ben Affleck's Batman and his Bruce Wayne. He I, I got that. A lot of people bring their baggage or brought their baggage against Ben Affleck into the fact. Oh, he was cast. Oh, but 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 he was he was cast well because he does both parts well. You can make a case maybe thanks to though there's a catalyst for this, the events of BVS that maybe he's a little too warm. There's a little bit too much of a, a warm fuzziness creeping into Bruce Wayne, but not as blatantly horrible and re- ridiculous as like the George Clooney, uh, Bruce Wayne, which was more like George Clooney playing George Clooney. But Bruce Wayne is the hardest part to play. I mean, I think if cinematic, all the cinematic endeavors so far have taught us that playing Batman is relatively easy. It's playing Bruce Wayne. That's hard because that's, it's almost like a. I was thinking about this today. It's almost like a variation on that, on that line from that Katie Holmes said in at the end of Batman Begins, uh, as Rachel saying that basically that Bruce Wayne, the Batman is the re, is the real character and Bruce Wayne is the mask that he wears. That is, it's similar to that when it comes to the movies. That Bruce Wayne is easy. The real heart. I mean, excuse me, Batman is easy, but the real challenge is playing Bruce Wayne because. There's a lot of nuances to Bruce Wayne because you know that he's you know there's a heart in there, but you also know that it's buried, buried, it's ve- it's buried very deeply. And other than maybe being around Alfred, you're not going to see that bubble over very often. And even with Alfred, it's still going to be you know there's going to be some car- some sar- sarcasm and some deadpanning on stuff, but you know it's in there because of the nature of the relationship. But it, but so I think Ben Affleck he he did do both parts. Well, I think he he does come off. He still gives you a the physical presence of what Batman would be like, not looking, not delving into the technology as much, which was kind of like the Christian Bale thing. Like, how could how could somebody who was, you know, really well trained physically, what kind of equipment could they use to pull off the stuff that Batman would need to do to be Batman in the real world? This was obviously Bruce Wayne always has his toys and, and he certainly does in this movie it, as well, but Ben Affleck certainly in BVS really sold the idea of what physically Batman would have to be built like in order to be able to do the things that he does. And I think he do, I think he comes across he has the presence as Bruce Wayne. So I think this and I liked so I I didn't dislike his performance in BVS or even the, even the, the original Justice League, but I think this helps remind people that he really was pretty good in this role. So seeing him again soon in the Flash movie, even if that's the last time we ever see him do that role, I think people probably are looking forward to that a little bit more. Plus, with the uncertainty of what Pattinson's version is going to be like. I don't know how many people are really pumped 
Doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Doesn't mean he's going to be bad. I don't know how many people are really pumped to see the Robert Pattinson Batman or especially the Bruce Wayne, which, again, to me is harder to play. For for me, and that's I'll only spend a few seconds on it because it's it's a tangent. We don't want to spend too many time, too much time on tangents. For me, what I'm looking forward to in the Batman because that's what it's called, right? right? For me, what I'm looking for and looking forward to in the Batman has nothing to do with the actors or anything. One Riddler, looking forward to Riddler in some way, shape, or form. I have wanted a really good Riddler film for a long time. Uh, I obviously think in in such a way that uh, it's it's not as severe because it's not like I'm as big of a Riddler fan as I am a Green Lantern fan. That's not what I'm saying. But I think similarly, uh, similarly, Riddler has been made a joke character over the past several years. Uh, kind of a, we already have the Joker. Why do we need the Riddler thing? Um, he's also he's also similarly to Green Lantern in multimedia been fleshed out to be a joke like the other um the other uh gotham villains uh rogues gallery make fun of him as well um i always thought you know that riddler is a great example of and again this is this is this this will tie into my other reasoning why i'm looking forward to the batman i have been saying for a long time where the hell is my Batman movie that shows him as the world's greatest detective? That's what I want. That's what I have wanted for a long time. In the comics, Batman is supposedly one of the world's greatest fighters. I don't think he's the world's greatest fighter. I think like numerically they rank like Shiva and maybe a couple other people ahead of him. But he's supposed to be one of the world's greatest fighters. We've seen Batman fight in all kinds of films. To varying degrees, but we have seen Batman fight. So I don't think we need to see that anymore. But tell me when was the last time we saw Batman be a detective? If ever, it's been a long time. Well, you only you, you pretty much only got the uh, that part in the Dark Knight when they when they do the analysis with the bullet. Right, but even that is the tech does it for him. He just thinks to right. use the tech. Or there's a scene that got cut where he asked Lucius what to do, and Lucius told him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, that's that's I, I just I really want the world's greatest detective. And I think Riddler done right. Riddler brings that out of Batman. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, Bane, if done right, is supposed to help bring that out of Batman, too, because Bane don't let's not forget people. Bane is one of the characters uh, one of the only uh, rogues gallery who was capable in his early appearances of finding out who Bruce was and where the Batcave was like he figured it out. <laughs> so like uh, Bane realistically should be able to challenge Batman's intellect and uh, deduct- deductive reasoning and things like that. But that's not here nor there was well, not going to the tangents. Um, talked about flash. Second. You know, uh, the, the, the Superman, you know, I, what I really liked that Lois was kind of her own entity in this in, in the film, the original cut, it almost makes it seem, well, it straight up says like Bruce's plan B is Lois. Like, you know, if, if something goes wrong, you know, he's the reason Lois shows up in that film. Whereas here it's more of a right place, right time thing, kind of a thing. And I like it that, that it's, it's when Lois decides to move on. Um, 
not necessarily like you know she's gonna forget about him or anything obviously but like it she has make she has made that decision after her conversation with martha slash martian manhunter um that she's she's gonna move on and get back to the world of the living i think that's a really cool moment um because regardless of whether you believe in a higher power or not i think we've all had those moments of of uh almost cosmic coincidence like i remember uh going to a, a church dance when i was a teenager a long time ago and you know just like i am at various stages in my life struggling with being single i remember i was one of the ones who helped the the church put on this dance and then it was finally happening so i could just let the adults run it and whatever i went upstairs to go play pool in the youth room while the dance stuff was happening downstairs i was like screw it you know no girl's gonna dance with me I while I was playing pool upstairs, I said aloud to myself because I was alone in the room. I give up. I'm done. I, I finally I for once and for all, I give up. I'm not going to find a girlfriend. I'm sick of trying and I'm sick of all the pain and that comes with actively searching and not finding anything. I'm done. I, I give up because I can't put myself through this anymore. Right. That same night, I met a girl who would become my first serious girlfriend a couple weeks later. I think I whether you believe in a cosmic entity or not, we've all had those moments in our life. It's just part of the human condition. And I thought that was really poignant for Lois to, you know, kind of get to that point where she's, she's going to come back to the world of the living after, after Clark's death, she's gone to the grave site or the, or the, the memorial to say goodbye. And, you know, she, she tells the cop one last time, um, all this stuff coincidentally, the same time he comes back. So I think that that it 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 made Lois's arc in this more in this film more important, and I really appreciated that. And it made the scenes between between Clark and Lois after he came back more precious in a way, because you would think that if if Lois is Bruce's plan B, he must have told her in some way, shape, or form what's going on. You know, why Why else would Batman need me to stand by? You know, it's like it's not like Batman tells me stand by in Metropolis around the, 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 the site of the of the crash Kryptonian ship. Just just in case. I'm not going to tell you why, but that's that's why I need you there. I just I just need you in that area at that time. Every day, 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't go anywhere. So I, I appreciate all that. You know, yeah, I just. Just in thinking about it, I just think that that's the the even the little moments are really elevated in this. Um, but I don't know how much more time I want to talk about the actual film. I think I think we've I think we've kind of touched on the stuff that we have liked and enjoyed, and that that it was a more enjoyable cut of the film. But I don't know. It's it's still not the Justice League I would have wanted. No, uh, it's probably not the story most people would have wanted. Uh even if you were not as anti new God, new gods as I am, Steppenwolf is lame, no matter how you slice it. You know, he's not, he wouldn't be on the top list of anybody's radar screen uh, or popping up on that. If you were going to come up with a great villain for the justice league to unite, to take, to take on, that seems kind of, it does seem kind of lame. So that again, it's about the film being different. It's different, but it's still sort of the same. And everybody uniting to take on Steppenwolf is not the same as everybody uniting to take on Darkseid. It's just, so it's on that level. So, well, they make Steppenwolf a better character. The CGI is better on Steppenwolf. His motivation is better. It doesn't, 
you know, he's more human, quote unquote. You understand why he's trying to do what he's trying to do and everything else better. It's still not a great choice. Great choice of villain. So, but yeah, uh, there's not, I mean, there's nothing inherently that I, that I disliked about it, but you know, we're, but we're pretty consistent. You and I did, we never hated, we didn't hate BVS or the theatrical cut of justice league. I mean, we didn't love either one, but we didn't think it deserved being either, either movie being treated like it was the worst piece of crap that ever hit the screen either. So, you know, it's from a, from a creative vision and an artist perspective, it's nice that it's seen the light of day, but maybe this would be a nice segue to move on to the next part of our discussion. Maybe that, that whether that ultimately was the wise move or not, (laughs) because it opens a whole lot of can of worms. So yeah, let me, so let me do my, what I, let me do the little thing that I want to do as my natural segue and that'll lead, lead you and you can deliver the, since the restore the uh, Snyder cut, that hashtag is dead. And now there's a new hashtag which has been born. So you can be the one to deliver it. Most people probably, well, many people probably have already seen it. But let me segue into it this way. In a way, what we've seen with with the Snyder Cut and the decision-making behind it is a classic example of why appeasement, (laughs) why appeasement as a strategy or a technique doesn't really work in life. (laughs) And they tell you not to do it. Because Warner Brothers decided to do this project not because oh they wanted to make the fans happy they did it first and foremost because they thought they were going to get mileage out of this to get subscribers a big event for their struggling uh streaming service and this was before anybody knew what was going to happen with covid and maybe they would have approached this differently and they would have known this year all their movies were going to be premiering on hbo max and they were had a reason uh, built in for people to sign up for, for, for HBO Max. But HBO Max did not get off to a great start, didn't have a lot of original programming that anybody cared about. We have our, we've already chronicled the fact that they launched for like about six months without having Roku or Amazon Fire TV capabilities. So they were not. So the idea of having the Snyder Cut be a pet project of theirs, it was a draw to get people to sign up for HBO Max. And they also thought, since there were a lot of people, no, since almost nobody was happy with the Whedon cut, and Joss, and and as time has gone by, you know, because of all his all the personal stuff, true or not true, but everything that's being thrown at Joss Whedon, that movie's become even more unpopular. And the idea of, of only Leah let Snyder continue to work on that movie, it would have been so much better. So there was that faction again, the vocal minority, which seems to rule the world these days, tyranny of the minority. They thought that Warner Brothers said, hey, we can kill two birds with one stone here. We can get people to come to our service. We can have a big event to get people to subscribe. And we can make these people who have been unhappy with us, we can make them happy by giving them what they want. And they're going to appreciate that. And we'll just make sure as we're making this project, we make it clear that guess what? This is a one off. This is not going to lead to a Justice League 2. It's not going to lead off of spinoffs from this movie. And we'll be okay. Well, now this movie's come out. Most people, and I think it's a fair assessment, like we discussed, to say that this is a better cut than the theatrical cut. It's also not the movie we would have seen at all if we, if Snyder had been allowed to come up with a theatrical version. But people don't want to hear that. They just want to hear, this is what they just left him alone. We would have seen this. So the restore the Snyder cut is dead. But now there's a, 
now there's a new marching cry because of because of how people feel about this movie and they want it to continue. And what is that new hashtag, Chad? Well, the original hashtag was release the Snyder Cut. Now it's restore the Snyder Verse, and and uh, there's also this isn't necessarily new, but release the Ayer Cut. Oh yeah, of Suicide Squad. Um, okay. I am a part of a few different Facebook groups. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name the group. I'm not going to say anything. But I try to stay out of the conversations about the Snyder Cut in that group with with friends. And I try to stay out of the, the conversations about the Snyder Cut in general online because not everybody's toxic. Not every Not everybody in every group can be toxic. Depends on the group. But you, you get the idea. The... If I understood it right, because I wasn't part of the movement, but if I understood it right, the idea behind release the Snyder Cut was that this man who lost his child in this horrible event had to step away from this passion project and the studio made uh, did a hatchet job with it. Okay, Um, that's aside from all the other claims against Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns, so on and so forth. So we wanted to give it's not just that the director saw it from start to finish and then saw the project through from start to finish. And then the studio had their way with it the way they usually do. It was a unique situation. So release the Snyder Cut becomes a thing. But now that we have now that we have gotten what everybody has asked for now, release the air cut is a thing to my knowledge the uh the it's david right david ayer to my knowledge the situation isn't the same with director david ayer of the suicide squad yes it is david. and even if it was restore the snyderverse is not uh is is not giving this is is not letting this director's original vision come to light or whether you guys are basically saying now okay thank you for giving us this film uh, but now let's uh, restore this dire- this one director's vision of your entire universe. Forget everything else that we have coming out or planned. Uh, we you have released the Snyder Cut, and before 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 it's even out, by the way, this is restore the Snyder versus trending um, before before the the film ever even came out. We're just going to assume that that Zack Snyder's vision is perfect on this, uh, so uh, we want his vision to be applied to the rest of the universe. Guys, it's it's no longer about what it once was. You are demanding the studio give you what you want or else. That's that's all you're doing right now. You're not asking this. Seriously, think about it. You are not asking the studio to restore to to, to give the, the director his project back to to see it to fruition it's not like he had started and then finished you're this the film is something he had worked on his vision for the universe is for every director for every creative person and i and mark can help clarify this further from his perspective in, in in what he knows about the film industry as a whole but every directorial writer whatever vision is not universe wide it's case by case contract by contract film by film so having him have restoring his vision for the universe is not the same thing as restoring his vision for the film. You got the film. Now what you're saying is I want every 
every henceforth DC film to be in the same universe under the same directorial division and in and just all all with this this the Snyder I don't know the Snyder touch in there you are demanding that the studio change their plans for the universe what the hell a lot of people on the more rational side of this this movement for release the Snyder cut were swearing up and down that that's what it was always about is giving Zach a chance to finish the project he had started, despite the tragic stuff that pulled him away. And well, if if you end, buy if you buy that version, that's really why he left, as opposed to being shown the door to begin with. <laughs> we know that happened. We know that event happened. And, but, and it's it's obviously enough to make anybody step away from whatever they're right, doing. Right, but that's, so, again, assuming but, that that was that it was all his. Yeah, we don't know that. But right. anyways, I don't I don't want to get into that discussion. Right. Um, but you are now demanding that the studio. F- bank the future their their film universe about and here's what i can say so in all of this people dc is announcing things like uh emerald finnell will be writing the satana superman superhero movie some comments uh some comments under this uh oh it's just so transparent at this point uh expect more wb announcements soon they're just trying to divert attention um, and then you get uh, news about, say, let's see here. What else did I see? Um, sorry, I'm just I'm just making sure I'm, I'm trying to make my point here uh, in the best way that I can. The the idea that um, Helen Mirren is to play the villain and uh, villain Hespera in the Shazam sequel. Uh, ah, so this was today's distraction news release from the WB. Uh, and then. The the information about today today about um, Pierce Brosnan Pierce Brosnan playing Doctor Fate uh, what was it uh, sh- you can't distract us from the success of the Snyder Cut stop trying hashtag restore the Snyderverse or who cares fuck WB nothing matters until they restore the Snyderverse are you serious I do now, now get, I do want to I want there's something else I want to say but I'll let you wait till you it's it's talk. all it's all a vast conspiracy now. And these people who who were passionate about giving this man his project back after this tragic event in his life were are, are now switching guns and and ba- basically saying, OK, you gave us you didn't even wait till the film was out. You just assume it's it's fantastic. It has to be. And now it's release the air cut and restore the Snyderverse. This thing needs to happen. This thing needs to happen. It's going to happen the way we want. You you guys see what your movement is is becoming, don't you? Do, are you seeing that you're becoming what a lot of people said you were at your worst? Do, do these do these people not? I I don't I I don't. I, there has to be people out there who were a part of release the Snyder Cut who aren't as fervently pushing restore the Snyderverse and release the Ayer Cut. There there has to be. But Mike, seriously, you're you're making demands of the studio now and saying that they better film the films you, that you want to see. How you this is Hollywood has never been, never been about production by fan. They will do something if the money is there, but it it will never be that this tweet about this particular plot idea got. 4 million retweets, so that clearly means there's an audience out there for it, so let's start this film. And I get that some of you out there might think that I'm making false equivalencies between these two things, but they're the same thing. Hashtag Restore the Snyderverse, if it gets enough stuff 
you really think the studio is going to say, oh, restore this? Okay, we got to change direction for our whole cinematic universe. You really think that a business, business that is run based on profits and not fan reaction, but profits is purposely distracting other people from watching the Snyder Cut by announcing this other stuff. You think that a money-making enterprise is releasing small news about a writer who's attached to Zatanna, who nobody in the public knows about. You think that they're announcing these things that are barely pebble splashes in an ocean as purposeful distractions from them making more money? Are you stupid? I I don't know. This and I didn't flesh this out when I when I I'm in my desire to have a nice segue, which it was decent. I left out one of the key parts of what I wanted to say was when you the re, the logic behind when you try to appease people, there's a logic behind it. What you try to do is you're trying to keep the peace. You're trying to prevent a conflict from escalating. So you give somebody stuff that either they don't they shouldn't have or you let them keep something they shouldn't have because you hope they will take that as a goodwill gesture. It'll de-escalate the situation. They'll remember it. And then down the road, if there's another conflict, it's like, oh, they might be more willing to give. But the problem is we know that's not human nature. And almost almost every time that happens, people see the, the people who gave. The takers see the givers as weak. And it's like, why should we have to change? Because we did exactly what we did before and got what we wanted. So we'll do the exact same thing again if there's this conflict. Or I mean, we may even push a conflict because we know they're going to roll over because they don't have conviction. So WB was hoping to get these people on their side. And, and OK, we made these people happy. We gave them what they wanted. Now they're going to be quiet and we can move on. Obviously, that's not the case. They've opened Pandora's box because now people because, number one, you have the percentage of people who always believed, even though that we, it has been proven at this point, that there was never a Snyder cut ready to be released. He had never finished the movie. He may have had 90 plus percent of the footage shot, but it wasn't assembled. The special effects weren't done. There was no theatrical. There was no Snyder cut just waiting to be released. And all WB had to was allow it to see the, the light of day. That was never the case. Just like this movie is not the movie we would have seen if Snyder had not left and or been kicked off that movie. At the end of the day, WB probably made a bad mistake and they should have just let this thing lie. They should have let it lie. They should know because now, yes, now you have set the precedent where everybody and their brother. And like I said, the tyranny of the minority, you don't need to be the majority of fans. You just need to have the right, have uh, some access to social media, especially if you can get some people on the press on your side and you can be 5% and you can make the other 95% change, change your mind. Cause that's the way society is these days that it doesn't matter. The other 95% has to give in to the five. And if you don't, the 95% is selfish, but not the 5% making the, you know, demanding the overwhelming majority cater to them. They're not, that's not being selfish. So it's that kind of mentality in, in this brought into this arena. And yeah. Now, would it be cool? Like, would it be cool to see like a JJ Abrams cut of rise of Skywalker if Kathleen Kennedy had not interfered. And if there ever was a so-called uh, Lucas cut, which there probably wasn't, of Rise of Skywalker when he helped work with J.J. Abrams. Yeah, it would be really cool to see some of that stuff. But the reality is not every movie in the world, again, it, 
it also feeds the false narrative we've talked about a lot, which is that the, the belief that the studio is always wrong. They're not always wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they they had every single and all the people praising Zack Snyder or or looking past his faux pas because of you know the tragedy that he went through. A lot of these people were the same people that didn't like Man of, St- Man of Steel or had serious issues with BVS. They had every reason to be concerned about Justice League. Every reason to be be concerned because the first two movies in this DCEU were not well received overall. And Justice League was seemingly going to follow the same tone, which was kind of funny because I remember Zack Snyder at the time that movie started filming said the opposite. Maybe he was pressured to that. I remember he said something to the effect that, oh, the Justice League movie was always intended to be lighter in tone than BVS or in Man of Steel. Obviously, when we saw this version, I don't I don't think you would get you certainly got a lighter tone overall. But the reality is they had every right to be concerned. I'm not, and we know that the, the the Whedon cut, if you will, the theatrical cut was a mishmash of two different movies jammed together. It was it was pretty much destined. It was destined to fail. But the studio had rights to be had a right to be concerned. Should they have probably fired him in you know, or gotten rid of him in the middle of the movie? No. They probably and, and if it was just him leaving, then maybe that see that if if he, he just left on his own, that would have been a good time, theoretically, one way or the other to pause and maybe rework the script and then come back. And even if, a, if he was the one directing it, just take it, take it in a different direction if they were concerned about that. Because if you remember, Justice League was pretty much already just starting production when BVS came out and it bombed like and it bombed in the eyes of the fans and the critics. It made a good amount of money, but it was seemed to be a critical and fan failure. So that really were concerned by doing what they did with the Snyder Cut. If people could just see it as what it was, there's nothing wrong with it. But now it's like, oh, restore this, restore that, because Zach, because everybody loves Zack Snyder's vision just so much before before this came out. He looked he looks good by proxy, by default, because everything with Joss Whedon just fell apart. That that movie was crap. Everybody's jumping, you know, right, rightly, wrongly, or in between. Everybody's jumping and jumping off Joss, the Joss Whedon bandwagon and and nailing him to the cross. So by well, so it's really easy to go. Oh, see, they should have just let Zach do this. And Zach, we trust. Hey, I like Zack Snyder movies. I like more Zack Snyder movies than I don't. But it's not like his DCEU work has been spectacular. Man of Steel has some cool parts to it. Henry Cavill being the coolest. But all that stuff with the Kevin Costner version of Pa Kent was fucking atrocious. You couldn't be more anti Pa Kent and Pa Kent's philosophy than Kevin Costner was in that movie. And BVS had a lot of cool things in it. But he, but I hate the Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor. They fucking ruined Doomsday and the whole possibility of, like, of a live action reign of the Superman. Plus, we just met Superman. How much invested can we really be in Superman dying when you just saw him one movie before? There were so many things wrong with BVS. And I don't care about... Oh, the extended cut is better. Yeah, it's better. Doesn't make the movie from a take it from a D to an A. It's it's slightly better. It explains things a little bit more, but it's not it's still not a great movie. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, WB this is gonna this bl- is gonna blow up in their face. I think unless they find a way to somehow, it'll be interesting to see based on the way the world works these days that maybe they will cave. Maybe they won't cave as far as giving Zack Snyder control over their whole extended universe, but maybe they'll let him do another movie. Maybe they'll let him, they'll let him do another movie. 
but or they'll at least throw. I'd be curious if they just throw it out. If, if you hear that that's starting to get traction, like in the next few weeks, that oh, DC, oh, WB is starting to consider this. Just as we started to record, I read the article that says HBO Max wants another like an, an entry in the Snyderverse, but WB doesn't. Well, of course, HBO Max would want it because by by itself, it benefits HBO Max. It gets people to subscribe to them. WB is the one who's who's the parent company, and that's why they don't they know this presents problems for them. Yeah, I just it it has evolved into something else at this point, and it's not what it once was. I think that is clear. People are making demands of the studio, and um, to me, the most insane thing of all is the idea that any further announcements during the week or two weeks that the Snyder Cut is out that everything else the WB is doing is is intentionally trying to distract from the Snyder Cut. I just Helen Mirren as as uh, as a villain in Shazam 2, big thing, big name. Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate in the Rock film, big name, big thing. Yeah, great. But like realistically, nobody knows who the fuck Doctor Fate is in the real in the real world. The writer who's attached to the just announced Zatanna movie. Nobody knows who Zatanna is. I don't understand how these are supposed to be significant intentional distractions to prevent themselves from making money. I, no, yeah, I, 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 I see that. Now, now if they, as, you know, which everybody's not everybody, but a lot of people want. If they had announced that, oh, yes. Oh, by the way, Alexandra Daddario is going to be Zantana, and, and she's going to be doing the entire movie in a bikini. That would be a distraction. <laughs> but at least people would know who she is for the most part. Uh, I think people – I think a lot of comic book fans know who Dr. Fate is, but I know what you mean. As far as – is it is it an A-tier character? No, it's not. Uh, but, yeah, the, the idea that everything – that that everything they're coming up with now is purposely to distract from the rest. Now to be, to be fair, there could be some truth in the fact that they were prepared that after they got the initial surge of people watching this movie, they, they may have not wanted to let it simmer for too long. So there's a, so conceptually it's not ridiculous to think that they would like to start putting stuff out there, especially if you see this response, you know, this restore the Snyderverse crap starting to gain traction that there could be a little bit, a little bit of truth to the idea that, hey, we just putting a little bit of other news out there at least gives you other stuff to talk about. In my, in, but do I think it was a coordinated effort? Do I think like do I think case in point, do I think the rock, you know, the announcement of Pierce Brosnan joining, you know, joining basically being the last cast member to be announced in a major role for the Black Adam movie was was to take away from the Snyder Cut? No. They're announcing that because that movie is supposed to start filming like in two weeks, <laughs> two or three weeks. So and Pierce Brosnan is a big friggin name. So it makes sense. It makes sense to do that. Uh, so but it, we know how I mean, some people just live every single thing is a conspiracy theory, which doesn't mean that there aren't conspiracies or conspiracy theories and some things don't make sense. But I don't think at the moment there's no reason to believe that WB is losing that much sleep over the restore the Snyderverse, even though it may turn out to be something if, if you know, they, it, and it'd be a, and it would be a monster of their own making if it is, because they didn't have to go. They could have just let the Snyder cut shit just die. 
Yeah, I'm happy for the people who were genuinely wanting Zack to get his vision done on this film. And if it's true, like you mentioned, if it's truly the family thing that pulled him away, which I don't have any reason to believe it's not, um, then I'm glad he got his moment. And I'm glad you guys as fan as, as Zack Snyder got to see this. I'm glad I got to eat a little bit of crow and think that it was a better movie. I'm glad I had something else to watch that's DC related at the end of the day that I didn't hate. Fantastic. But, but some of these people are taking it. It it just it's too, too far. Like anything moving forward that is not Snyderverse connected is, is trash or not worth our time or what. And uh, if you truly believe that, if you truly believe that everything not Snyder, you know, restore the Snyderverse connected is not worth our time, then uh, I don't know that you truly understand what it means to be a DC fan. And that may sound strong, but the core of DC, DC was one of the first ones to play with the idea of continuity. And then when the continuity didn't work, say there's a multiverse and in that multiverse, there's an infinite number of possible stories and an infinite number of takes and an infinite number of this, that, and the other different ways to see these people, different ways for them to interact, different gender versions of them, different sexuality versions of them, different blah, 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 blah. And to me, the heart of what makes up the DC universe, the DC universe, is not one version of the continuity. There are things I like from many eras of DC. And if I could piecemeal them all together into one universe, then maybe I'd say that's the one universe. But that's not what DC is. Hell, guys. In the movie you say you love so much, there's a potential alternate future. There's an alternate way the story could go within the own movie you asked for. The great thing about DC is possibility and potential. So to say that any other announcements are distractions or to say that anything moving forward isn't worth time or effort because it's not part of this one director's one vision for the whole cohesive universe is ridiculous. I think that the WB or Warner Media or AT&T or whoever you believe is the problem at the, all this, they've been dicking around for too long. And they had their chance to build a universe like Marvel, and they fucked it up royally, and they didn't do it. Well, now they have a plan, and that plan is multi, multi-universe multi type stories, different types of stories. They're gonna, there's going to be a black Superman, and that's either going to be President Superman from whatever that Earth is, or it's going to be uh it's gonna be there i forgot there's another there's another version uh, of superman that's a black superman i forget which earth he's from but regardless that's going to be a multiverse story and whatever happens from here on out like guys it there's there's just there's going to be a dc super pets movie and whether that's animated or live action or a cartoon or or, or cgi with with like pixar type stuff i don't it doesn't matter we're going to get these properties in different ways and some of them are going to rock and some of them are going to suck. And some of the ones that you think suck, someone else is going to think rocks. And that's what's great about DC comics. That's what's great about comics. 
there's no one way for this thing to go. There's some general tones, like, for instance, Captain America should always be A, B, C, or D. But within those confines, let's play. And that's that's the Marvel side. But Superman, you know, you would think that Superman's always got to be good. But, man, Injustice is really interesting. It's in, And so on and so forth. I don't I just I to me, the people who are so hard pushing for the Restore the Snyderverse thing are missing the point of DC. And uh, I'm frankly exhausted trying to understand their thinking and the thought of engaging with them in the conversation is enough to give me a headache. I, I cannot engage with them anymore on this. It's idiotic to me. You got what you asked for, and the the director got his vision, and it was fun, and it was cool. But my God, to demand anything more. Well, that again, that's like a microcosm of where we are in the world and society these days. It's like you're never. Some people are just never happy with any. You know, you win. Winning is not enough. You know, just getting getting a getting a small victory is not enough. You have to win big. It's like, you, and you, it's not just beating your opponent. You have to like carpet bomb them out of existence. There's no compromise. Just, just it's our way or the highway. That's why, again, looking at my example, that's why appeasement didn't work. It's like, if you thought you were going to make these people happy by giving them something, no, they're just going to take what you gave them. And then it's like, well, you gave it to us before. Now we want it again. And in fact, we want more this time. Uh, peace in our time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's like, uh, a lot of people, I think you and I were probably in the camp where we were, we were looking forward to this movie coming out just so it could come out and go away. <laughs> but, of course, now there's, there's, like we talked about, there's people who don't want it just to go away. And this is like stepping stone now to the plan B. You know, now now it's big picture stuff. We just now they gave us a movie. Now we want everything. He's not Kevin Feige, people. I like I like Zack Snyder. I like more of his movies than I don't. But. He does tend to be very elaborate and he does tend to be very grandiose and has arguable, arguably delusions of grandeur at times with different things. And it's like, could you know, could could he have could some of the DC movies been better if if he was steering the ship? Maybe. But Man of Steel was OK at its moments. BVS was OK. It had its moments and a lot of bad things in BVS. And. You know, same even even with this version of the Justice League, there's still things about it that I don't like. You know, still not my you know, Momoa is still not my version of Aquaman, even if he is Jason Momoa and he's cool. Yeah. It's still not Aquaman to me. Yeah. You know, I just I, I think about like what else, what other logic would I uh, guys, this is the Lantern cast. I don't like what Graham Morrison has done. I can tell you what stories or what what I believe the tone who I believe the characters should be, who I think would be great on the art. And I have not liked what the, the direction of Green Lantern comics for a little while now in varying degrees. And it's possible with the Jeffrey Thorne stuff that I might continue to not like the Green Lantern direction. And it might get to the point where either I'm burnt out or what, I don't know. But nowhere in that process is my mind going to think, well, I know it would work. And it's a shame the WB, DC, Warner Media, AT&T, whatever, isn't doing it. So here's my idea. Let's start this hashtag and all the other Green Lantern fans using the platform of the Lantern cast. Oh, you guys like my idea, too? Let's never shut up about it until they make it a reality. That thought would never cross my mind. 
I do not understand how it's okay to take that same thought process and apply it to something else. Because I am just like everybody else. There are things I really like and there are things I really hate. And if I really hate something, guess what? I'm going to be vocal about it. But I am never going to sit there and say that I'm going to devote time and energy to campaign until I get it how I want it or else. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think as a general lesson in the world today, we could learn a lot from that and not be so my way or the highway or the end justifies the means. And as long as we get what we want at the end, it doesn't matter how we do it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hate, if, you, if you're ready to quick to if you're ready to transition to a final quick tangent before we leave, if you're ready, yeah. I'm not trying to uh, force you. What did, what do you think about our buddy Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern watch party? <laughs> did we bring this up with the day it was happening? No, I don't think we've talked about it at all. I, I almost forgot. I actually almost forgot about it. I was I, I was I was reminded of it. It's like oh my god. It's like and, and the 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 mere fact that this pardon my language the mere fact that this bastard hasn't hadn't even watched the movie either ever or since the movie was first made. That he hadn't even watched it, and yet this <laughs> does nothing but run this movie down. And it's not like he's watching, so he, he's not even doing it from all. He's basically bringing his baggage from what what you learn is he basically is bringing his baggage from making of the movie into his interpretation of the movie as a finished product. So it's not like he's even or and or picking up from what people say because everybody drags on it too. But oh my god, I couldn't. I that talk about the balls, the balls on that. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, March 17th, starting Green Lantern now, first time ever. Too early to ask for a hashtag Snyder cut of this fucker. And then he continues his thread from there. On the Lantern cast thing, I retweeted that and I said, let it go. Because of the constant shitting on this film, Green Lantern hasn't been touched with a 10-foot pole in live media since. And as a result... When he does, he's treated like Aquaman used to be. I'm sick of this A-list hero being treated like a joke. Stop. And then I linked the case for Green Lantern episode. And then I responded to that. I said, I don't think Ryan has any clue about where GL used to be in terms of importance and prominence in the DCU versus where he is now. The character is a punchline in TV and film. He went from having comic events around him in four ongoing series to one title. Is it a poorly done film? Sure. Did the studio shit on this thing and do it badly? Absolutely. Was it the fault of the actors? Probably not. But shitting on it for 10 years isn't helping anything. We went from, quote, this film is bad, unquote, to, quote, ha ha, Green Lantern TM, as in the property, fucking sucks, unquote. That was my response to the rant. Nicely done. And, and, And we get to the end of him watching the movie and he basically acknowledges it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that was the most stunning about this was just the mere fact that you would think somebody who's ragging on something for as long as he has. You would think you would have watched the movie at least multiple times since you actually made it to, to reinforce your views. But to find out that, yeah, either he's never watched it at all or if he did watch it, he hasn't watched it since basically it was released. And it's that, oh, my God, it's like you got I mean, honestly, the, the, the balls on that on a guy like on, no matter who it is. The balls on any it's, it would be like ripping it would be like ripping into this book and talking about how 
horrible this bestseller is or this this uh seek this any book is and you've never even read the damn thing. Oh, I'm just going by word of mouth. I didn't like the cover or they said something bad about me and you know on page 52. So it's it's utterly ridiculous. And the and the fact that again, you know, you met your goddamn wife and you have your kids essentially because of that movie. You think that might be enough reason to at least appreciate the movie. I know he tried to say something along those lines at the end and just play nice, but the reality is you shouldn't have been you shouldn't be making it seemingly your life's work to write, to run this movie into the ground if you haven't even watched the goddamn thing. And again, you weren't the reason it failed, but you didn't help it. You didn't bring anything to the table to help it succeed either. So yeah, one of his one of his tweets, I only ever read my parts of the script. So this is genuinely exciting for me to watch. Yeah. You know, the, the script that was never complete, that never really was a script yeah. and all that stuff. I, 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 I'm just he might be a nice guy. He might be cool to hang out with. Uh, but the reality is the way he's treated that role, it's like it's it's just it's it's so disrespectful and it's just so insult. It's like, you know, this could. Yes. If he's if he's upset because it could have been his big break. Like they joked around in the dead in Deadpool too. It could have been his big break, and he really thought it was going to be, because up to that point he had never done anything that had succeeded with him as a star. And other than Deadpool, in all honesty, he still has never done anything that has succeeded with him as a star. He's been a you know he's a supporting actor pretty much in all these movies. And any movie that's done well, he's been a supporting player. Other than Deadpool, the reality is I could understand having some bitterness because you maybe you thought you were done wrong. You had faith. Because, you know, Martin Campbell had a good reputation. And even if the script maybe wasn't completely done when you signed on, still, that's, if you signed on to the movie without a finished script, that's your fault. It really is your fault. Now, you were doing it because you wanted a big break. You were rolling the dice. Comic book movies were good. This was like beginning to get into the, the meat of the comic book movie era that we're still in now. Yeah. That makes perfect sense why you could be happy about it or unhappy about the way it turned out. And you were happy that you got the role at the time. But gee, just let it let it go for Christ's sake. I mean, especially with, with having Deadpool, it's yeah. like let it go. Yeah, and maybe it's, it's the aviation gin talking. But Green Lantern was nothing to fear. Hundreds of incredible crew and cast members did amazing work. And while it's not perfect, it ain't a tragedy. Next time, I won't wait a decade to watch. Jeez, <laughs> that's mighty white of them. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's 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 real nice. Ah, oh, then then man. Then maybe next time you won't take you won't spend ten years uh, ragging on a movie that you never watched. One interesting bit that came out of it though, he still apparently owns the ring. Yes, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was cool too. Which I guess we can. I, I mean, which would make sense because if you had the opportunity, if you know, if you had the opportunity to take something symbolically important, not just to your character in a in a film, but universe, you know, universally, and you know, maybe with a small you as an an important symbol that you would probably like to keep, you know, you would probably like to keep that too. But at least that, you know, at least that does show something about, about what, you know, what he thought of symbolically of the character. But yeah, I mean, if he, if this mellows him out and he's, and he, and he turns over a new leaf about it, then, then that's, then maybe this was a good thing that, that they finally did this, but it is, it was utterly stunning that he'd been doing 10 years of chop jobs on this movie to it just to, for us to find out hey i never even i never i haven't even watched this movie in 10 years they tell me it's bad so i best i better make jokes about it yeah <sighs> all right um do we know what's next probably kong and godzilla um guys i just got through editing a video that should be going on the youtube channel pretty soon um a while back back when i was still recovering from surgery 
I recorded myself opening the Marvel, the Skybox Marvel series uh, four cards from 1993. And I've just had that video footage sitting on my phone. Um, so I finally edited it, put it all together uh, and it will go up as we record this tonight or tomorrow morning uh, on the YouTube channel. So go check that out. I don't know what the holy hell happened, but those cards are a lot of money. Now the, uh, the freaking, um, uh, DC, the DC cosmic cards, both of them are like for sealed packs sold on eBay sold, not like, you know, bid. And then someone doesn't end up paying like $300 or some shit. I, I don't know how I got them at like before the bubble, but apparently I did. Um, so I've got that. I actually also got the uh, the part of the reason I finally decided to edit and post that video is because I got another pack of cards in the mail from eBay, and it's the Meta X or Meta Cross, however you're supposed to say it, Green Lantern trading card game. Um, there's a Justice League version, but this is supposed to be an expansion of it. I got a pack of those, a sealed pack, so I'm going to do an unboxing of that. That'll be recording sometime this weekend. Uh, but that'll be going live. Um, and just the other day, guys, so Creative Credit's coming back. Uh, and it's not coming back uh, with the episode I thought, but I was given a chance, or not really given a chance. Something just happened to pan out in my favor. I got a chance to interview Joe Dinicle. And for those of you who don't know, Joe Dinicle is an actor. He's the guy who played Ragman on Arrow. Uh, so I got to interview him the other day. We talked for, I want to say, 45 minutes on a Zoom call and just shot the shit the whole time. Uh, and it was really a, a conversation about that character and that, that film that set the Berlanti universe and everything. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that thing, I'm going to, that thing's going to appear cross platform as well. The audio of it will be a creative credit episode, which we know creative credit has its own feed as well as it also appears in the lantern cast feed. So it'll be a podcast. It'll also be a blog post on the Pseudosouls blog. So the Pseudosouls.blogspot.com. It'll, I'm going to transcribe the audio into a readable script for anybody who has, you know, listening issues or anything like that. Then we also did a video, you know, there's a video component to it. Uh, So if anybody wants to watch it, it'll be on our YouTube channel. So three different ways to interact with that. Uh, I think it's going to take, so it's not going to take me long to, do the the video and the audio edits but obviously transcribing the whole interview is going to take a while so i don't want to give you guys a guaranteed time frame on that but before the end of april we should have that so it should it should be pretty soon so there's lots of content and stuff i'm working there's other things i'm working on that i told mark about but um yeah there's 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 other stuff that's gonna be coming out on one of our feeds and you'll hear about on our social media in some way shape or form nice all right if people want to reach out to us how do they do so lanterncast at gmail.com the website is lanterncast.com you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook hashtag geocast we'll track us down on those apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher ever platform that's all folks whichever platforms you listen to us on please leave us a positive review and last but not least 708 lantern is the voicemail call or text and let us know what you think all right guys we'll talk to you later good night everybody Good night.